Hello and welcome to the American Dry Cleaner podcast. I'm your host, Tim Burke, the editor of American Dry Cleaner. Today, joining us to discuss the topic, how to buy a dry cleaning business, is Dan LeCarte, president of the dry cleaning division of his family business, Model Cleaners, which is based in Charleroi, Pennsylvania. This family-owned business is run by five brothers today. It was first started by their father 33 years ago in 1986 and has expanded from just one small location to 34 locations. So we're very happy today to have Dan join us by phone. It's a pleasure to have him here with us. Hello, Dan, and welcome to the American Dry Cleaner Podcast. Uh, it's great to be here, Tim. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, let's uh, jump right in. First off, Dan, um, our listeners out there, what should they know before they purchase and acquire a dry cleaning business? Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a great question, Tim. I mean, really, uh, I want to take one step back and actually why do you want it? want to acquire dry cleaning businesses, I think uh, there's certainly an opportunity to, to do that more uh, today than maybe there was 10 years ago. Uh, when you look at the shift to casual wear, you know, obviously pe- uh, people are dressing, like, when you want to say they're dressing down a little bit, yeah. there is an opportunity to buy stronger players in your market um, at a pretty good price. And also, too, if you think about it, the cost of marketing, the cost of trying to do it organically, um, and believe me, we've tried it. <laughs> we've tried radio campaigns. We've tried TV. We do uh, aggressive door knocking, which we still do today to grow routes. Um, there's a lot of blocking and tackling, if you will, to grow organically, where as the acquisition, you can get it at a pretty good price, and you can get that revenue instant pretty quickly uh, to, to, your, to, your, to your top line. And it will help your bottom line as well. So it's uh, certainly a good strategy to do. And also, you take a you take a, a person out of your market, and uh, which is which is important. But uh, to your question, a lot of different factors when you're when you're looking to purchase and acquire a dry cleaning business. First, you got to understand what that dry cleaning business was doing you know, with their EBITDA. You know, after what were they profiting? Get a trend three to five years. What was their actual profits? And you have to take owner compensation out of there and the benefits of the owner out of the operation. What is that business profitable? Then also, you, then you've got to take that profitability and you've got to try to take that through your current profit loss statement and understand what this acquisition is going to do to your bottom line. Because you can grow all you want in revenue. If it's sagging your bottom line, then it probably doesn't make sense to buy the operation. So, it's something you want to look at. You also want to understand the market. You want to understand the competition around you. Of course. Um, what type of competitors are, are around? You know, you gotta also understand if you're if it is a plant operation that you're going to buy, you gotta understand the environmental risk. When we come in and we do a plant takeover, we don't operate perk. So we try to get the, the landlord to release us from all environmental liability. So that is a big hurdle to get through. You gotta make sure you're released from all you know, environmental liability, or that could be a deal breaker. We're a big route company, and when you get these acquisitions, we did actually last year, were, were all stores, but we saw it as an opportunity. They didn't grow routes, so we, we try to go into a market, okay, they just have a store-only business, but this is an opportunity to get the database and get in there and grow our routes. Uh, that's a big strategy for us because we understand that a route customer has a longer lifetime value than a store customer. Um, I've done a study, of, uh, a route customer has, I think it's like 8.3 years lifetime cycle versus a store customer that I think has a year and a half. So wow. we try to t- try to understand that and really grow the routes because if you can get a store customer to route, they'll turn in 30% more. So those are things we look at. We look at the different store leases, how many years they have up in the backgrounds of these landlords, what relationships they have 
That's important. You also have to understand the owner, the owner of this prior business and what relationship they had with the employees. What was the culture? Um, that's huge. You've got to go in there. And you, if it's a huge operation, and you know, we've taken over operations over a million and a half, two million dollars, well, guess what? Who's going to run this operation for you? You know, you get to a certain size. Is there a manager that runs this? You have to understand the people, um, the pay rates, the whole culture. Can you have a relationship with the old owner? <laughs> is the old, is, <laughs> yeah. is owner selling trustworthy? And you kind of have to have a relationship because you're almost centered into a marriage together. Um, in a very, you know, they have this business for so many years, and you want to do it in the right way for the employees and for the transaction. So it's uh, a lot of different factors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is a lot of different factors. You touched on a lot of great things. I think the key yep. thing I I heard you say, among many things, was you have to know the operation. You have to be educated. So before you go, you you got to know. You got to do, you know, you do a walkthrough with the owner, and you, you know, whether it's off hours, um, you got to walk through. You got to understand the equipment. Believe me, we've done we've done a lot. We've went through mistakes with it too, but you got to understand the age of the equipment. You got to understand what POS system they have, because if it's a different POS system, guess what? That's painful. I've been through it last year because there was another operation on four different POS systems, wow. <laughs> and we had to get that everybody, all these eight locations trained. Well, guess what? That's a lot of, it's a transition. There's a computer cost with that. Yeah, and of course. So one thing to understand that, that I just learned on last year uh, is transition cost of getting it online, because if there's a high transition cost, you're probably not going to make money uh, in the acquisition in year one. Take us back to when you started. Maybe you could tell us your first buy, what helped you through it? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I'm the youngest brother of five, so I wasn't on our, our first, and I don't know the, the, the details of the first acquisition we did, and I think that was in 1992, um, and we have really grown uh, through acquisitions and, and through route growth of our company, but what's helped us with the acquisition strategy, we have other divisions that, we have a uniform rental division, which is good cash cash flow and contractual business in our division, that we can have that cash flow to be aggressive with acquiring other cleaners. For me, I started in 2004 in the, in the business. Um, the first one that I was particularly on, and my brother John really does a lot. Of, he's, he's the guy that does all the deals, and then he makes the deal, and then i, I got to figure out the, the day-to-day stuff on it. So <laughs> the one that I remember, Tim, was in 2007. We acquired a, uh, a five-store chain in, in Pittsburgh, and no routes. Um, there were some mistakes we learned from that. First of all, you want to actually let the staff know of the transaction before actually you buy it. We did it after. Uh, we ended up losing a lot of employees after we announced it, which then caused a little bit of chaos uh, in our operation. Uh, when you grow 30% overnight in dry cleaning, that, that could be scary because we brought it all back to our central plant. We probably should have kept that operation as a plant over there and kept running. But we announced the employees after the transaction. It was right before Christmas, and that probably could have been handled better. And I remember, you know, we... we put it through our central plant, and we just didn't understand the volume of, of what we were buying. And wouldn't you know, the next week we had a shirt buck go down in our central plant, and guess what? It was tough to get uh, get the work done. We had orders backed up, and that was a little bit of chaos there with the transition. So um, you learn from that. <laughs> and, you know, we've done, we've done five or six since 2007. They always say, Tim, and this is a lesson in life, is, is fail, S-A-I-L, first attempt in learning. And I think you have to learn from those from those those things. Now, I would say that in 2007 we acquired uh, five locations. 
that actually grew our routes. It was like a $1.1 million uh, dry cleaning business. From that, actually, we only have one store left, but from that, we were able to get customers' data, emails, information. You know, we're big on uh, data collection. We actually were able to grow our routes in that market. We have about a million and a half dollars in route business in those areas in those stores. So eventually, we kind of, we only have one, more, one store left from that acquisition, but we migrated all the stores to routes, which oh, I see. Is, our, is our strategy. So right. that was our first one, and it was, a, it was a many long days on on that one. Yes. What I'm hearing is communication is very, yeah. very important. As a prospective buyer, is talking to dry cleaning owners and consultants a good way to become familiar with this market? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You you know, you, you have a network with your vendors. Um, they help suppliers. Uh, they'll tell you maybe who may be looking to get out. Yes, and, I, and, you, know, and you have to understand, uh, you know, three to five year trends of what you're buying, uh, what operations you're buying. Yep. Very good. Uh, the prospective new owner will no doubt research a store's location and lease. I know you mentioned that already about lo- looking at the lease. What should they be closely looking at and what should they be most concerned with? You got to look at the trends, three to five year trends of the location, uh, what competitors have moved out, what competitors have moved in. That's huge. Um, but also, again, you got to understand the staff. Who are your key players? Um, part of the due diligence, you need to meet with the staff. And you actually have to announce it. And one we did that was real successful last year was we announced it prior to close. And we, hey, say, look, people, you're going to come. You're going to join on to us. You're not, you know, same pay. We're not, no changes. And uh, we were able to do that because if we didn't get a certain percentage of the employees to, to sign on with us, we don't do the deal because, Again, when you start getting really big, you got to people that can run the operation for you um, because the owner's gone, right? So you got to, you know, it's something you have to really look at, depending on the size. Now, they're, they're, you know, Tim, there's sometimes there's just a one store. That's easier than if you're having a big operation. You got to have someone that can run it, and you have to meet with that, that key player. So that's something you have to really look at. Um, that, that was big for us. Yeah, management is key for sure. Um, let's dive in a little bit further, and I know you've already taken us sort of deeply into your thoughts on this, uh, Dan. Help us um, just learn a little bit about how uh, res- you know listeners should research a site or the lease. How should they do that? What sources should they use? Well, first of all, they can't just report a certain number of revenue in EBITDA. We need to see actual tax returns. Uh, three to five year trends, <laughs> because the one I was involved in making X, where tax return was only making Y, and we only go by the tax return. And there was a difference and between X and Y, wasn't there? So, yeah. So you got to understand actual tax returns and actual data. Uh, you have to understand the landlords that are out there, uh, the trends of the lease. You know, uh, what are the current leases? Do they have how many uh, years or months left on the lease they have? Do they have options? That's huge, and you got to understand the landlord and the relationship with the landlord. What type of rental increases he's traditionally giving, um, and, and what's going on in that current center. You know, we always look at, hey, is, there, is the current center? Do we have do we have a coffee shop there? If it's Starbucks, by the way, hey, that's a great thing. We have to understand the other people in the center of those stores. Um, you got to have proof if you're going to do a plant proof of environmental testing. It's a plant, and you got to get liability release from that if you're going to operate that plant. Because um, if you don't, you, that's probably a no deal for us. What does that exactly uh, mean when you say liability in the lease? What is? Could you tell listeners what that means? 
kind of it's kind of a releasing the responsibility of all environmental risk from the prior. So if the prior person is operating on PERC, when we go in and we're operating the plant, it just holds us harmless from any of that environmental liability that maybe the prior owners have had. It releases our company from that. A hold we, harmless. We, yeah, you hold harmless, correct. Yeah. That's the right word. Uh, we do that day one. If we come in, we're going to put our, our machines in, and that's good for the landlord to understand that. And then also understand, Tim, just one other thing is understand their database. Most people that we buy, they're not collecting emails, addresses, names. That's so critical. We want to understand what, you know, if they have addresses, names, and emails, that's really valuable for us because then we're able to have that communication uh, about the acquisition and, and, and the things about our company that we do. So understanding their database. Some companies have some, but some companies don't even do any of it. Uh, and that's really powerful for, for our company. Understand, that helps our internal marketing systems. What sort of surprises might a person come across when buying? Well, you may think all the employees sign up and uh, they join you. <laughs> sign on and, and they don't. And even though, you know, we offer uh, full benefits, 401k, we do all these things, that good stuff for employees. Then you think that could be a good thing, but some people just don't like change. And I don't care how you say it, it's a change, and we tag a shirt this way now, and it was, well, this is the way it was, and but no, no, this is the way we have to do it because <laughs> it's in our company. You're going to have turnover. You're going to have that. So you may have some key players leaving. So you got to understand that uh, you got to have some backup staff ready to come in or have a recruiting process in the background of getting application interviews so you're filling staff in. Um, so that's a surprise. Um, also understanding what other things they did, you know, what wholesale relationships do you have you know, what was that relationship you had? Uh, do you clean clothes for other cleaners? What was the price? you got to get understand all those details. So when you, when you go in and you take over, it's seamless, and you have a good relationship with this wholesale folk the prior owner had. You better know the equipment list. You better know the ages uh, and understand and how they kept up, you know, with the operation. And that goes through the walkthrough. The prior, prior to the acquisition, you want to do a thorough walkthrough of making notes of everything because – if you make notes of everything in there before the actual transaction happens, you can get the the, uh, the seller, the old owner, I guess, if you will, to improve those things before you take over. Um, so that's a, that's a big thing. When you're doing a walkthrough, is there recognition from the staff that what's going on? Are they clued in? I imagine some of them know, but maybe closer to the management level, they, yes, they know what's you're walking through because you're a potential new owner. What's that like doing a walkthrough? It's a private deal. Okay. It's really uh, old owner to new owner. Uh, after hours, it, right? After hours, it's usually after close or, or on a Sunday. After, Are the managers after, with you too, or is it just owner to owner? It's, it's typically owner to owner. Okay. Um, because, you know, if a manager's there, because uh, we're just kicking the tires at that point. We're, we're, we're looking. This is part of we're looking, but if the manager understands, oh, man, this, they're going to sell our business, that could be a bad negative thing uh, for the owner. Uh, and that's how, you know, I've seen that happen to other operations before. So it's a real quiet thing, part of the due diligence process. Uh, it's a quiet walkthrough. Of course. I don't have, I don't have, I have a, a neutral shirt on, right? I don't have a logo of who we are on my shirt. So it's a private deal. Uh, Dan, what's the average starting price for a dry cleaning business for sale, just across the board average? And how can listeners compare the asking price to other dry cleaning establishments? 
Yeah, that's a good question. It varies on based on what what you're seeing, but I mean, it's uh, you know, it can be thirty cents on the dollar, depending on the operation. It can be up to sixty cents on the dollar, depending on on the mix. I mean, if it's a route business, it could be a little more. You know, if your percentage of route business is heavy, it could, it could be a lot more, closer to maybe sixty, seventy cents on the dollar. But if it's store only business, um, it could be much to thirty cents, forty cents on the dollar. What factors can make one site under consideration more attractive to a buyer than maybe another site? Like, for instance, maybe there's better access or parking or the equipment is just in better shape. What makes one better over another? Well, a lot of factors there. I would say uh, in the one last day, we, we bought an operation last year that was, uh, that was two particular sites that have that overlapping. We were real close to it. We were like maybe 500 feet from our current model store. We had these new stores there. So we actually saw that as an opportunity. These new locations we were buying had a lot a cheaper rent than what we were paying in our current stores. So that made that attractive. We were able to buy those stores, and we, we quickly got out of our leases that were coming out, and we actually are saving us a lot of rent now. So we just consolidate the stores because we were close by, and we actually consolidated two stores into one. So if you're looking, if you have some overlapping stores uh, that you can be able to consolidate and chop rents out, that's, a, that's something that's really cool. Obviously, you look at the, the three-mile radius of the density and the household incomes, those things. Parking's huge. Drive-through's a big deal. They have drive-throughs. About how long does it take to, to close a deal for a drive, to buy a drive-through? Well, yeah, I mean, depends on the size. But it, it can be from six months to a year and a half, that cycle. Um, there's times where we had a relationship with a guy seven years ago. We were maybe kicking the tire seven years ago, but maybe he wasn't ready, and then as pieces get to be a little bit sparse out there, then he is ready <laughs> six years <laughs> later. So, right. But from negotiating, it could be six months to a year and a half, Tim. Just a quick recap, Dan. You've, you've given us so much great information. Could you just leave our listeners with a couple of buying tips that they can take with them? Yeah, I mean, a couple of buying tips. You want to make sure that uh, you understand the profitability trends on their tax returns. Um, that's certainly a big thing. Uh, and how does that fit into your current profit loss statement? Another key thing is to understand your transition cost. So to bring on that business, what is that going to cost you? What is that going to cost you as far as training, equipment replacements? Are you going to rebrand it? Um, what's their pricing? That's something I probably didn't say, but understanding that. Because sometimes you might want to just leave it be and leave it the same brand based on the competition in the market. Sure. Um, other times, we have some limited competition. You know, in Pittsburgh, we, we, we switch our brand instantly because we don't have a lot of competition. In, in Pittsburgh, but Ohio is a different thing, so we kind of leave brands the same. Those are a couple of things, and, and under, obviously understanding what you're, what you're buying. You're bringing a, a team of people into your family, so you've got to understand that culture and understand the, who those key players are, those people that can be a part of your family. And, you know, I'll leave with this. I mean, I do think acquisitions are, are a better, if you want to say, marketing strategy than your direct mail and your door knocking, <laughs> radio advertising, if you can do the acquisitions right, because there is a certain pace to these acquisitions. They become systematic. Um, I think that could be the best marketing strategy if you can do that. Uh, is there anything else we haven't covered today uh, in our chat about how to buy a dry cleaning business? you can actually send, uh, it's kind of like a, a marketing activity we do. Every year we send out acquisition letters to people in our market that maybe are, we would be interested in buying. So we just send that letter as a confidential letter to the owners. And, hey, it's happened where 
that, that owner might see it and might have a tough time hiring and pieces are tough, they may call us on it when you get into the sparse months in the summer and the, in the wintertime when we, they become slow. Um, we've had people call us on those letters. So that's kind of a marketing activity, sending an acquisition letter out. That's something I didn't mention. Right, sending that letter and you and you get some uh, you get some nibbles off that letter, I think. Yep. Yes. Well, that's pretty much wrapping up then uh, our topic today: how to buy a dry cleaning business with our guest Dan LeCarte. Dan, thank you very much for uh, sharing your thoughts and uh, spending some time with us today, and for being with us here on the American Dry Cleaner Podcast. Oh, thanks, Tim, for having me. The American Dry Cleaner Podcast is a production of American Trade Magazines LLC, Chicago. For more information about future podcasts and to get the latest fabric care industry news, visit our website at americandrycleaner.com or make sure to read our weekly e-news blast called The Wire. Also, be sure to visit American Dry Cleaner on Facebook and make sure to like us. And also follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. The royalty-free music used on this podcast is from Alvaro Angeloro called Brand New Day and can be found at hooksounds.com. Thank you for being with us today on the American Dry Cleaner Podcast. This has been your host, Tim Burke, and I look forward to being with you again very soon. 